When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the weekly show where Shale Wassenaar, Fultress, and I go over the latest in Game of Thrones and Song of Ice and Fire news. Good to see everybody. Hello, Julie, Linda, Ashley, Lisa, and everybody else here to partake of our wisdom and discussion. <laughs> All right, Shale, how are you doing? I'm, I'm good, Dan. I don't know about wisdom. Thanks for filling in last week for me when I was I, gone. I did. Well, Josh Hill did a lot you of You and Josh Hill, of course. Yeah, sorry. You and Josh Hill filled me I was gone. I was... Uh, abroad having a good old time in uh, Scandinavia I had a lot of fun but now I'm back and ready to get back into it and I've missed some stuff you so have. let's get into it okay first up we are doing a giveaway today one of our giveaway days Whoa. giving away a selection of Game of Thrones masks and helmets courtesy of our friends at fun.com okay we got and there's much more than just those by the way you can get a hound helmet a the mountain helmet, son of the harpy mask. I think there's like an unsullied poked hat thing over at the site you can get. There's even like some really expensive, um, like stuff. It's a very elaborate helmet. Anyway, anything you want, it's yours for the winning. The way this works, if you've been with us before, is thus. Um, a little later in the show, I'm gonna ask a trivia question about Game of Thrones: Song of Ice and Fire. You email your answer to me at dan.selke at winteriscoming.net. The first person to get the correct answer gets to choose um, what master helmet they want to take home. And I hope all of you win, but really only one of you can win. So my hopes mean nothing. This, we're playing by Highlander rules, Dan. There exactly. can only be one. It is only open to U.S. residents, but um, sorry about that. But we will ask trivia a question a little later in the show. Okay. All right, but right now, and thanks for everybody coming in, Raymond, Karen, Sharon, good to see everybody. I've taken a while for the last book. You're right. Let's start with the big obvious thing, the Emmys. The 2018 annual Emmy Awards happened two nights ago on Monday night. Mm -hmm. And Game of Thrones, after taking a year off, was back in force with its season seven episodes on the docket. Up for a bunch of awards. It won a couple. It won two, lost three. It didn't win for best directing, best uh, writing, What's the other one it lost? Supporting Actress. Supporting Actress, right. Lena Headey did not win anything, much to my chagrin. But um, Peter Dinklage, Tyrion Lannister, the ever-popular Tyrion Lannister, wow, we're starting early, did win the award for uh, Best Supporting Actor or Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Drama Series. 
Okay, I'm just going to go to you here on this, uh, Cheryl. What did you think of Peter Dinklage's win? He was up against people like uh, Matt Smith from The Crown, Joseph Fiennes from Handmaid's Tale, David Harbour from Stranger Things, and of course, he beat out uh, Game of Thrones' own Nikolaj Kostowalda as Jamie Lannister. I'm so happy for him. I was happy too. I'm glad you say that because he has really worked hard and deserved this. And it's really, okay. <laughs> How do you feel about Peter Nicholas' win? Okay. To be fair, I am really happy for him. I am too. He's done a lot of great work on the series, but justice for Nikolai Coster Waldau. I was kind of pulling for Nikolai Coster Waldau to take justice. this. I want justice, Dan. I'm not sure I'll go that far. <laughs> no, I'm going to uh, go that far. Fair enough. You go as far as you want. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, and we have here, like, Carrie says Peter Peter was well-deserving. I totally agree. Oh, and this was good. Lisa loved everyone's reaction when his name was announced, which is true. Did you see, like, Kit Harrington and Nikolai Costa-Waldo were like, oh, yeah, that's great. It was fun. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Me, personally, I got invested in this. It's Jamie's year. Because Nikolai Costa-Waldo did such a good job in Season 7. He gave that wonderfully physical performance during the loot train attack, which, which I think is kind of underrated as a performer thing to do. It's like much harder than it looks to sell that kind of action when nothing is there with your body and your facial expressions. I was hoping he would be awarded. He wasn't. But, you know, Peter Dinkins getting awarded for Tyrion Lannister is not anything to complain about much. That much. Much is accurate. Much is very accurate. Like, I'm... Enjoy. I am pleased <laughs> at the end of the day. Good. Yes. But dang it, really? I, I really wanted to see Nikolai Kostrowaldo get some recognition. I think he's been quite underrated. I think um, so, too. For a lot of his time as Jamie Lannister, he has been able to sell this huge transition of mm-hmm. character. The loot train attack, as you said, was wonderful. His leaving Cersei was wonderful. Right. And... I think, Tyrion reunion was a, was a, a very strong scene too. Yeah, um, he's shown he can hold his own against an Emmy winner. Shouldn't that give him an Emmy? <laughs> a three time Emmy winner. Yeah. Um, so sure, yay, Peter Dinklage won. Yay, Game of Thrones. But <laughs> wanted some new blood, and I didn't get it. Uh, Farah says North Africa sends us regards, and we send our regards to you, uh, Farah in North Africa. I mean, I feel like Emmy voters, it, it's not like this is a surprise, but they mm-hmm. kind of vote on autopilot. Mm-hmm. It's like Peter Nicholas is, is, does great work. He always has. He's always been very, very solid and occasionally wonderful. I feel like they vote at, at some point that they get it in their head, like, okay, this is the person who's deserving because they've got it before. I mean, it, it's like any other system. It's hard to break away and make a new decision, sort of. Mm-hmm. So I understand it. I'm happy for it. Um, I wish Nikolai Kostrowaldo won. I wish that Lena Headey... I wish she had won, too. I mean, I, I'm p- perhaps... Sandy Newton. Some of the other... Oh, she was good. And she did give a fun speech. Yeah. I did, I, I did enjoy her speech at the Emmys. Mm-hmm. But um, and I'm just afraid that if she doesn't win now, she's not going to. And I really want her to have a win for Cersei and Rebel by the time the Emmys are over. I mean, I think... I, I have the sense, you know... Josh and I were talking about this a little bit last week mm-hmm. that the season eight for Game of Thrones is probably going to be when. Oh, it's going to be such a sweep. It's going to be you get an Emmy and you get an Emmy and everyone <laughs> gets Emmy. Unless it's like the worst six episodes yeah. in the history of television, I can't see them not giving everything. But again, again, but, but, but because of voter and awards inertia, like it yeah. just 
an object in motion tends to stay in motion. And voters who pick Game of Thrones for best series and predicts for best actor tend to keep doing it. Just mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, sometimes it works not in our favor. Sometimes it does work in our favor as fans of Game of Thrones. And I, I did love Dinklage's speech where he called Nikolai Kostowaldo like his very handsome brother for another mother. That was very, very sweet. He shared mm-hmm. it with him. So at the end of the day, I can't be too mad. No. I, I'm, I'm working. I'm, I'm trying to get to mad, and I can't get there. So. <laughs> and Game of Thrones itself. Oh, we have some comments. Anna, they all won in my heart. Me too. Oh, and, F- and Farrah thanks us. You're welcome, of course. Lisa says, but it's all good. Peter says he will share the award, and a Lannister always pays his debts. That is very true. And the series itself, three seasons running, one uh, outstanding drama series. Beating out things like, uh, quite a bit was up for it, like The Americans, and uh, what else was up? Handmaid's Tale, This Is Us, Stranger Things, which I can see. I haven't watched The Americans. I got the idea that maybe for its last season, people were hoping that would take it. Um, I'm comfortable saying it deserved it over Stranger Things. Yeah. Because uh, I watched it. Uh, yeah. I, you know, it, it's kind of the same thing here, where it's like, I can see why it won, yeah. but I could also see and wanted something else to win for once, especially the Americans, which has always kind of had this veneer of always the bridesmaid, never the bride yes, about it. very much. And it did win Best Writing Directing, I think? Or I at least believe writing. so. And Matthew Reese took home yes. Outstanding Lead Actor. Um, so they gave it some yeah, accolades. Yeah, but to not take home the big prize after always getting kind <laughs> of passed over, it's a, it's a little disappointing. But I'm not saying Game of Thrones didn't deserve the win or anything like that. So much as I'm saying, eh, I could kind of see where they might have, where the Academy could have given it to someone else and I would have been okay with it. Sure. But at the end of the day, again, I, it's impossible to be mad. Game no. of Thrones is a great show. Deserve the win. Good for it. Everybody in the comments seems to agree. Yay. And on to the final Emmys, which will be uh, the last time Game of Thrones is an award show. Very sad. And I'm sure they all win absolutely everything, including, like, best comedy, just, like, everything. Best comedy, best drama, best short form, best long form, best editing, like, uh, best actress for people who have been gone. I was upset Elena Tyrell didn't win for best guest actress a couple weeks back. That actually ticked me off. Come on, people. It's your last time on there. See, now, here's the mad. Here's the mad. I found it. Diana Rigg. She should have won. For Best Guest Actress, she had a great final scene, but that's neither here nor there. Justice for Elena and Jamie. There we go. Justice for Elena and Tyra. That's, that's the hill I will die on. Yes. Okay. Uh, moving on. Yes. The Emmys, fun to watch, and it's also a fun time because everybody's out there on the red carpet looking fantastic. I should have brought some images, but I really did. I was digging uh, Coster Waldau's, like, mustard jacket, but that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Um, George R. R. Martin was there in a rare public appearance. He, he doesn't come out in public much anymore. He's uh, writing the books. And he was able to drop some sound bites about what's coming, his thoughts. And he had some good ones on the red carpet with interviews. Oh, did he have some good ones? I mean, I don't blame him. He can say, he can say what he wants. He can. I mean, he, he said one I want to highlight where he was asked about, um, you know, how do you feel about Game of Thrones ending? And he just talked about what could have been. He said that we could have gone to 11, 12, 13 seasons but I guess uh, showrunners David Benioff and Dan Weiss wanted a life, kind of joking. There was a period like five years ago when they were saying seven seasons, and I was saying ten seasons, and they won. They're the ones actually working on it. So my question to you and to everybody out there, everybody watching, from Anna to Lisa, Julian to Michael, and Pam, 
Um, would you have liked that 10 to 13 seasons of Game of Thrones? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it, guys. Go ahead. I'm going to fire the hot take cannon. Hit us. I would have hated a 13-season Game of Thrones. How about like 10? 13. I think we can all agree 13 is pretty excessive. 10 would be pushing the limits of my patience. <laughs> bad, yeah. 8 is pushing the limits of my patience. Uh, no. 8 feels fair. That's all right. 9 would be pushing it. 10 is pushing it even further. We get to 11 and you're right out. And 13... I would have gone down in fire and flames. I, I think um, Martin sometimes falls into this kind of common thing in fantasy where he's unable to, un to edit and condense. And TV is not as forgiving for a true. medium for the inability to edit and condense. And so if we had gotten his, you know, his lovely 10 to 13 season Game of Thrones... It would be really long and really expository. Sophie Turner would be like 30. Yeah, Sophie Turner would be like 30. And we'd have a lot of the feast scenes with the lavish shots of food. And there'd be a lot of weird stuff happening. And I don't think that it would have felt as tight as it does. Sure, it occasionally gets too loosey-goosey with its time, but it's relatively tightly plotted. Relatively, yeah. Yeah. So I would have, I would have, no. 13, 13 is too much. I can't commit to that. I mean, I, I agree. It, it feels like maybe a novelist approaching, like thinking like a novelist for a TV series doesn't quite work. Although we have comments here, and I don't blame you guys, obviously, uh, saying, Lisa, like until last episode, we will be screaming out for more. Can't argue with that. Can't get enough. Farah says 10 would be perfect. Uh, Zabrina, 10 seasons. Delario, yes all day. Wow. I mean, I get it. Like, I, I want more Game of Thrones, too. I, I agree, too, that the, that the realities of TV maybe just wouldn't allow for continued quality. Certainly 13. 10's pushing it. I could just do it with, like, a couple more episodes. Like, maybe, I think the last season needed, like, another episode in it. Like, one more yeah. to kind of tie some things up. I'm a little afraid I'll want more episodes from season six, from season eight, when like like seven instead of six or eight instead of six. Mm -hmm. I, I I I can't see myself getting into like a ten or eleven season show, just knowing as I do that they draw. I mean, the person's completely right. Wh whoever said here that Karen they definitely have enough material to make ten seasons. You're right. They totally have enough material. Yeah. Just my only question is, did I want to see all that material on screen? And my answer was kind of no. No. Nope. <laughs> I'm not sure I needed to see all of the kind of wanderings. I didn't need to see, I didn't really need to see the fake Aegon Targaryen doing his kind of where's this going quest to go back. I didn't need to see Quentin Martell doing his kind of very slow. I didn't need to see Daenerys in the field after Drogon flies her off. Why? Like... I needed to see that. That was good. Oh, that bit. Yeah. yeah, that bit. I mean, th they adapted that, but again, they that, that that was an example of a good choice, I think. Like they adapted her wandering in the field, but it was like <laughs> it was like twelve seconds. And, and not disgusting. Set upon by the Dothraki. I mean, of course there is a way they could do it. <laughs> um I, I think they made the right call to cut things down. I quibble with some things they chose to cut and the way just to cut it occasionally. I think they could have done a more careful job. But there was never any way we were getting 13, 12, 11, even 10 seasons out of this. It's just not realistic. 
But I, of course, realize everybody has different views on that. And Julie would love to see, would love to see all the deleted characters. So things happen differently. Mm-hmm. George R. R. Martin, really, another thing he said was that interested me was that uh, he was asked about just what's going to happen in season eight, which everybody asked. <laughs> and uh, he didn't say anything, but he did say that most of it is based on what I planned. So I got emotional about it 20 years ago when I first thought of some of these things. You know, it's, it's no secret that the show has kind of diverged from the books the longer it's gone on, but I'm intrigued by the prospect of it kind of coming back in the end. We are going to get George R. R. Martin's ending, or at least the one he thinks is going to happen now. And I'm looking forward to seeing what that is. Unless he decides to George Lucas it in the books and change things. What does that mean? Or add Retcon? things. Retcon, change it, you know, alter a little, add in scenes of I mean, boo. he's really careful, George R. R. Martin. Like, yeah. have you ever read this? Like, he says that he... When he, when he thinks of a change, he goes back and rewrites all the other stuff leading yeah. up to it. Yeah. <laughs> so that guy. Yeah. Um, I give him credit. Like, there's a reason the books take so long is because yeah. he is too careful. He's very, very careful. Meticulous. Meticulous. Perfect. There we go. And Julie thinks they rush seven, season, seven, season seven too much. And yeah, I kind of agree with that. Although, again, it, it, it's, a, it's a weird balancing thing. Like, it's, it's hard to know, and I, I, I do sympathize, how much in one direction it is to go is good. That was a horrible sentence. But, like, do you edit too much? Do you include too much? I'm not sure either one is ideal. you got to find the middle path. And maybe they didn't find the exact right middle path. But I, I think they're done a solid job. And it, it's hard to, uh, I don't know. It, it feels disingenuous to, like, look at it and just condemn them. When I'm sure what they had to do was very tricky to cut it down just in the right way. Mm-hmm. All right. They were somewhere near the middle, at least. Yeah, they were near the middle. I, I totally see where they were going, and I appreciate that. All right. Uh, All right. Before we get to our giveaway of the Game of Thrones masks and helmets, really quick, let's go beyond the wall for a second, talk about something not related to Game of Thrones, as we like to do for a while, because okay. we have many interests. We Game do. Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, fantasy, sci-fi, television, books... Dogs, everything, Do like dogs? lots of stuff. Okay, a news item for you, really quick. Okay. Avatar: The Last Airbender, a popular Nickelodeon animated fantasy series that ran in the mid two thousands, um, adapted as a horrible uh, live action movie by M Night Shyamalan. Sometime after that, they're making a remake, a full, a remake, a live action remake for Netflix with the original creators, whose names are. Oh, God. Michael DiMartino and Brian Konietzko, Konietzko, uh, in the driver's seat as showrunners, executive producers, live-action remake of Avatar The Last Airbender. We've got some concept art for you there with lead character Ang and his Sky Bison Appa. Ang. Ang, sorry. <laughs> I mean, um, clearly you're a fan. It should be pronounced Ang, um, considering how it's written. Um, I'm that big of a nerd. Um... Uh, but Aang is usually how it's pronounced I mean, in the show. The show is very beloved. The show has a great reputation. The show is quite good. I mean, I, I've seen it. I like it a lot. And clearly you're into it. What do you think of a live-action remake uh, prospect? The show is part of my childhood, Dan. Cool. Um, I am cautiously optimistic 
about this because the original cast is in or the original uh production is involved mm-hmm. this is their thing it is. they've worked on this for a long time they have talked about making sure that they get representation in there they have. that was part of their statement which was really important to get out there on the first on the first it was a total dig i thought at the m night Shyamalan movie yeah. which cast all white people in the yeah it was there, the there were a characters. lot of problems there um, I didn't like them though, because their statement like said explicitly with non-whitewashed characters, and was like, "Ooh, that's a, some shade at whatever production company made that." Thing. That was that was deeply shady, and I appreciated mm-hmm. that too. Um, and I think it's a good opportunity to kind of update the show a little bit. You know, I I don't want, I guess, a completely faithful adaptation. I want there to be. We've seen it already. Well, yeah, because we've seen it already. Mm -hmm. Um, But also because I want there to be some risks with it. Um, I know they're probably not going to change canon, which I am still heated about the fact that Katara ends up with Aang, okay? Oh, really? Yeah. Somebody tweeted at some point, listen, if I'm like a young teenage girl, I'm not kissing the bald 12-year-old. I'm kissing the dude with the cool scar and the really great character development, okay? And that is basically my opinion. Or if we're on Game of Thrones track, it could be with a Sokka and get some incest things going on. You can do that in live action. It's a post-Game of Thrones world. Why must you hurt me in this way, Dan Selkie? That's what I'm endorsing. Okay, go on. Why? Do you, why? Why did you? Why? Just why? <laughs> in one second, Karen. <laughs> um, but I want there to be some risks taken with the show. I think Netflix has the ability to do some really good special effects with this. Oh, they have Netflix money. They have Netflix money. It's going to be... I, I expect Netflix money to ooze out of every single frame of this show. I think it'll be, I think it'll be okay. I think it'll be okay. Um, and I think it is pretty much primed to capture uh, people in my age bracket, the broke people who grew up <laughs> loving Avatar and are now too broke to like go to the movies frequently, but definitely have Netflix. <laughs> um, and I think it will be a great, like I hope at least that it'll be a great adaptation that manages to surprise us, but also manages to be uh, faithful to the original as much as possible. I'm curious. I mean, my concern is that it's only been 10 years. Like, do we need a remake How many yet? Batman movies do we need, Dan? Not as many as we have. It doesn't mean this remake <laughs> is good just because there are too many of those. Right. Uh, but that's the kind of idea there. I mean, if DC and Warner Brothers can reboot Batman a kajillion times, I think a 10-year gap between the end of Avatar and the attempt to fix it after the horrible live-action <laughs> movie, I think, I think that's... Maybe not the greatest amount of time, but it's not like Avatar ended like six months ago and they're already saying we're going to do it in live action now. Sure. Okay. Commenters are getting a little restless because okay. they don't know what we're talking about. So we are ending that little bit. We are. Hope you had fun. Okay. Let's give away some Game of Thrones swag. Back to Game of Thrones. All right. Again, we're giving away a Game of Thrones mask or helmet. The Thank way this you. works, just to reiterate, is I'm going to ask a Game of Thrones trivia question. Y'all are going to email your answer to dan.selke at winneriscoming.net, which will probably be in the comments or on the screen or something. Right? I'm just going to assume that. And, uh, or I can, I can write it and hold it up. <laughs> I don't think that would work, but okay, go and on. And you're going to email your answer to that uh, email address. And the first person to get a correct answer, I email you back, ask uh, which mask or helmet you want, and then it gets shipped out to you. 
your choice of those four or quite a few others on uh, fun.com. All right. Everybody primed for the trivia question. Get your fingers ready, guys. It is as follows. When Rhaegar Targaryen fought Robert Baratheon at the Trident, he wore armor encrusted with what kind of gemstone? Rhaegar Targaryen fought Robert Baratheon at the Trident, and Rhaegar wore armor that was encrusted with a certain kind of gemstone. Robert Baratheon killed him, and these gemstones got knocked out and uh, went into the river. What kind of gemstone were they? What kind of gemstone was Rhaegar Targaryen wearing on his armor the day he got killed by Robert Baratheon at the Trident? That's a trivia question. Email your answer to dan.selkie at winteriscoming.net, and you could be the winner of a Game of thrones theme mask or helmet. Fancy. Be the mountain. Be one one. Be anybody you want. Yeah. And I will look for your answers in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Good right. luck, everyone. Pretty soon here, we're going to bring on Josh Hill for A Song Indeed. of Dan and Josh, our continuing walk through uh, the Song of Ice and Fire series. But first, hope you enjoy this. Uh, you may be aware that we have something called Wick Club going on, mm-hmm. where it's a Patreon-funded place to give you more mm-hmm. just Wick content, Game of Thrones stuff, Song of Fire stuff, fantasy stuff. We have extra episodes of the Take the Black podcast. Yep. We have a monthly giveaway. We're giving away for this month uh, a full season one to seven Blu-ray box out of the show. Wow. You get stickers. You get T-shirts, extra columns. And again, the episodes we talk, the extra episodes of Take the Black Live talk about spoilery stuff we wouldn't talk about here. It's extremely spicy. It's all kind of fun. So we have a little ad for you. And okay. when you get back, Josh will be here for Song of Dan and Josh. See you, everyone. It. Oh, Ned Stark, will you ever learn? No, oh, sorry, I didn't see you there. I'm Dan Selke, the editor at winneriscoming.net, your one-stop shop for all things Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, and genre fiction in general. We here at Wick love bringing you news, reviews, and editorial content, and we're gonna keep doing all that stuff. However, for the especially hardcore among you, we're gonna start offering even more. Welcome to the Wick Club. The Wick Club is a Patreon-funded effort to provide fantasy and sci-fi fans with even more Wick content. You can join at several levels. For $1 a month, you can enter into monthly swag giveaways and get to read extra columns. At $4, you'll get to watch extra episodes of Take the Black Live, our weekly chat show, with topics chosen by you. Please be gentle. And at the Valyrian Steel level, that's $10 a month, you get Wick Club t-shirts and access to a new segment we're calling Drinking and Knowing Things, a monthly live stream where I drink wine and talk with all of you in a free-flowing conversation about Game of Thrones, fantasy, sci-fi, and whatever else comes up after I've had a few. Just to be clear, we're not going to stop doing anything on Wick we already do, and we're hoping to add more stuff anyway. The Wick Club is a way to produce even more content and hopefully to get to know some of you better. You can find links to more information below. We hope to see you in the Wick Clubhouse. Valor Morgulis, bottoms up, and thanks for watching. Welcome, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that little ad. I am back here with fan side of Zone Josh Hill for A Song of Dan and Josh, the show where we walk through every chapter of A Song of Ice and Fire, analyzing them. What makes them work? What makes them tick? Uh, what are the themes and the ideas? What are they? Today, we're going to talk about a hugely important chapter, yes. Aria 
aka the one where Ned Stark dies. Yep. I've read those multiple times. Josh never read the books. Let's get to it. And really, really quick before uh, we start, um, Lisa asked if we pay postage for Europe, can we enter the competitions? And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Lisa, just for this particular series of giveaways, no, because they're done through fun.com. And fun.com actually sends the stuff out. Mm. So, um, and they're only doing US, but we will do our own giveaways where we will open it up to the world, as for example, in the WIC Club, where uh, we give giveaways to everywhere. There you go. But okay, we're going to talk about um, Arya 5, yep. which is the most important chapter in this book. Yes. Okay. It's devastating. <laughs> was it devastating? Yeah. What's your reaction? This is Ned Stark's death chapter. It was rough. First of all, hello, everybody. Uh, I'm in the the passenger seat this week. It was in the driver's <laughs> seat last week. People were surprisingly not happy to see you uh, not around. I didn't take it That's personally, but people were very upset to see you in Denmark. I should go read the comments. Well, thank you, everybody. But also, I, I, I hope you were very friendly to Josh. <laughs> oh, they were. I, well, we always love all the audience. Um, no, this this chapter was a little rough. <laughs> like it was, it yeah. was tough. Um, the fact that it was told from Arya's perspective, I think, was important. Because that's, we kind of went through, I mean, we did go through this from her, from her standpoint, from mm -hmm. her eyes and through her head. And I feel like she was the closest to Ned as far as like her, the children were concerned. Because John literally got sent away. I mean, but right. he's not even Ned's son biologically. Sure. Uh, Sansa is kind of going through her teenage Kind of years. going her own way a bit. Yeah, and she's like, going she's her, in own her way. Why you're into my life, Dad? Phase. Yeah, and Arya, it seemed, was in that perfect kind of time in our lives where our parents are everything, and the world That's is such an true. innocent place. Even though she'd kind of started to see things weren't so innocent, but it was kind of like in this small little window of the, the world's still innocent. She's still a child. She is. And still this a child, is yes. like her growing up moment. This is life comes crashing down. Reality comes and smacks her. And all of a sudden, she's not a little girl anymore. She's alone in this world, and she has to grow up on her own. And she grows up within a chapter, at least mentally, or she's forced to. So, and I, I, I really appreciated that it was from her perspective. So I was trying to think if this was from any of the other characters' perspectives, like Sansa or Cersei. Or Ned. Or Could've Ned. Yeah, or Ned. It, I don't think it would have had the same effect because we were literally seeing this through a child's eyes, even though she's as grizzled as a child can be. Uh, yeah, as much as a child be. Yeah, I, I, I like that point because I, I thought about it too. Like, Martin could have done this through Sansa's perspective mm -hmm. or could have done it through Ned's perspective. Yep. Not to spoil things, but the Red Wedding is done through Catelyn's perspective mm -hmm. and she died till the end of it and that still worked. But he, he chose Arya and probably for the reasons you're, you're saying, this is her rosebud moment. This is yep. why she has that list. This is what she's been trying to make up for the rest of the show, mm -hmm. like fill that hole that Ned left when she saw her. So it's important to kind of be there at the moment when it all falls out from under her. Yeah. And I, I like the bit about her still being a child too, because I mean, she is still a child and the, the first chunk of the chapter is kind of just her life on the streets. Mm -hmm. And even though it's sad, there is like a pluckiness to it yep. that is kind of Dickensian or childlike. She, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, she walks around like smacking pigeons with uh -huh. her, um, with her wooden stick and turning them into pot shops. Like she details, like she checks the gates. It's, it's hard, mm -hmm. but I mean, it, it's, it's that there's still like a certain kind of adventure quality to it. Yeah. And the innocence comes through too. Like when there's the bit about when she's in the pot shops, turning her pigeons in for food. Mm -hmm. And she says like, men look at her and she did not know what they wanted. Now we know what they want. Yep. They're looking at her for, 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 for sex. I'm yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> but um, she's, she's just too young to know it. Yeah. 
which is which is tragic. It's it's but it's also true to life yep. that she just wouldn't know what they're doing there. But she knows to be afraid. I also love how resourceful she is in this chapter. Like Sansa could not do this. She could not live on the streets of King's Landing for weeks on end, no. like smacking pigeons and turning them in, no and chance. like finding places to sleep and trying to communicate with the neighborhood girls. Like Arya is very resourceful, but I mean, again, she's still a kid, so mm-hmm. it's 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 not going to be enough. Yeah, I like. So, what do you think that moment where um, she walks up to the ship that was supposed to take her away? And again, she re- she's smart. She realizes, oh, that's a trap. Mm-hmm. Those are Lannister guys in Stark clothes. They are hoping I go up there so mm-hmm. they can get me. And she and then she talks her way out of it. Yeah, like she bluffs her way out of it. She says, okay, they think I'm a boy. I'll just. You want this pigeon? And they're like, get out of here. They think she's a bum. <laughs> so she's very smart and very resourceful mm-hmm. and very plucky. Plucky, I like that. Yeah, that's the the innocence the, of a child is hard to get across with Arya like you say because she is so like it is like Dickensian and and but I I, I don't think it would have been as effective of a chapter if it was through anybody else's perspective and like and this the whole boat thing and avoiding a trap that's an evolution of Arya I think that's kind of vintage Arya which Mm -hmm. I guess now you say that because we're um, we're so far into the show and we know where she's come in her arc or I guess in the books I guess people who have read them but this seems to me like that is her on her own trying to figure things out. She's got to do this. That's, I mean, it's really, there's nothing else for her to do. And she clearly has, it's a demonstration of, she, it's almost like bittersweet where it's like, you're going to be all right, oh, kid. Totally. Like, you know, she's, you know, she's going to be fine. She's going to be able to look out for herself. She doesn't have a father anymore. She's on her own. She'll never see her family again, unbeknownst right. to her at the time. But she, this is like kind of the bittersweet, you know, you know, pluckiness, like pluck up, kid. Like, you're going you're gonna to be fine. Uh, but and she's thinking of ways to get out. Like she thinks about, I could swim the river, but it'd be hard. Yeah. I got to find a way to get out this gate. Mm-hmm. So, so she's making plans. Yeah. Also, a key moment is um, she talks about Needle. Yep. Like at this point, Needle has always been kind of a symbol for her. But from now on, it really takes on a lot of significance. Like she, uh, she was robbed when she first got out there. But she slept under Needle. She'd been lying on top of Needle or else it would have been stolen too. It was worth more than all the rest together. So at this point, Needle is going to be a good old-fashioned literary symbol <laughs> and just kind of it symbolizes her starkness. Yep. Like, she'll, she's going to go through a lot. We all know that. But as long as she keeps that sword, she's still a Stark at heart is what that's going to go, which is, you know, very effective. They can <laughs> use it. Makes a great MacGuffin. Yeah. By the way, uh, Julie says that you did well last week, Josh. Oh, thank you, Julie. So you were a hit. All right. Let's talk about the actual death moment because yeah. nobody is, in the comments are talking about that. Lisa says that Arya watching her dad like die like that shaped a character for the rest of the series. Completely agree. Yeah. Were you surprised at how kind of quick the moment itself was? Because we, we like, uh, unlike on the show, we actually see the kind of the sword go into Ned's neck. Mm-hmm. We do not see Ned die in in the book. Mm-hmm. Our Yorin finds her. Do you remember Yorin, yep. the Night's Watch guy? She finds Arya, knows to don't look at that. That's your dad dying. But she still hears it. Dimly, as if from far away, she heard a, a noise, a soft sighing sound, as if a million people had let out their breath at once. And that's it. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's the moment Ned dies. The sound she's hearing is probably the, the sword slicing through his neck. Yep. Is that too small for, for such a big moment? No, I think it's very, uh, it's, it's very uh, existential, I guess, because it's like, 
this idea that this is a massive character death. Like this mm-hmm. is the hero, the person that we thought was going to be the hero of these books of this series dying. And literally he dies with a thud of his head yeah. falling off. And, and, and he dies in a chapter that's from someone else's perspective. Yeah. Even though he's been kind of the lead guy throughout the whole thing. Yeah. It's very nihilistic in a way where it's a like, bit, this yeah. is, this is just, you know, it's, he's just dead. That's it. And I'm thinking about like other like historical moments. Like you think about, you know, like something like 9-11 or something like that, where it's like so seared into our minds. Sure. Because we saw footage of it over and over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. But everybody always talks about, and this is the same with any kind of tragedy, the Kennedy assassination. You see the Zabruder film over, 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 over again. Right. It's like what, what people talk about is you'll remember where you were when. And you yes. don't remember actually like watching. I mean, I know I don't because I wasn't alive. But watching John F. Kennedy get killed, you remember when you heard the news. Yes. And you didn't actually see the death. You just remember the president's dead. He got shot in Dallas. That's the news. And you're like, that's the moment. This is, and to me, this is a lot like that, too, because this is the moment. It's not like this big cinematic moment where it's slow motion. It comes across. It's like thud. His head, it's off. He's dead. Life goes on. And it's like it's a weird kind of way to approach such a big moment. But like this exists in life itself. And I think it's also important to Arya's character that it isn't some big romanticized thing. It's like a small like spark that like ignites this huge fire in her that she has the list and she's going. She never gets over it. No. And it's it's kind of a commentary. I guess you could say a commentary on like this moment, which does is presented in a very small, almost backhanded way is basically the drive for her character from there on out. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, I didn't hate it. I actually kind of appreciated it because it was kind of a different way to approach this. Yeah. I, I liked it too. I mean, it's kind of weird though, because I mean, if you, you could maybe read that and not even get that he died, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's, it's there for you to pick up. He didn't die in her heart. There you go. He will live forever <laughs> in her heart. He's not really dead, but what do you think of, um, the the end. Oh well, we had a good comment from Raymond Two Feathers. Great name. Ooh, nice name. The entire crowd gasping in unison is pretty powerful, and it leaves no doubt that Ned is dead. <laughs> Apparently, uh, okay, good. I'm glad you think that way. Because honestly, <laughs> I don't know. Like I read it, and I thought like maybe if I wasn't looking for it, I wouldn't think that meant death. But yeah. it it is pretty clear. We all know what happened. Um, blah, blah, blah. very well done chapter. Very well done scene in the show too. Yeah. What do you think about this? The end of the chapter. Mm-hmm. Um is Yorin gets Arya, and he takes her aside, calls her a boy, because mm-hmm. he's trying to get into her head that, like, you're a boy, so you're a boy, or else they're going to find you and kill you. Yeah. Um, the end of it, like, t- did you get what he was doing, cutting her hair? Because to me, it, it, it almost was phrased like he was cutting Arya. Well, like, I... Like, the, the final line is, she could feel her scalp tearing, and on her lips, the salt taste of tears. And this, like, man is taking a knife and... You know, doing something to her, we don't see, we don't, but we don't are we're, we're not told quite what. Mm-hmm. I interpreted this a little bit as like he's he is cutting Arya. He's cutting her identity. This is he, right. she's changing into something else, which she will do the entire story. Like yeah, her whole uh, faceless man she, thing yeah, is all about identity. Yeah, yeah, she literally changes her face. Um, well, yeah, but uh, yeah, this is him. I interpreted as him literally cutting her identity this is like the end mm-hmm. of that aria like that who she is is never going to exist Good ever again it's all very symbolic. so it was kind of, yeah it was very symbolic where it's like cutting and it's also you know pushes the story forward so it's not yes, like this exactly. you know 
overdone moments. Yeah, but it, it's it's not gratuitous. It, it, it yeah. is. It, we do need to know what's happening. Here. Yeah, but the context is there. Of you know, this is Arya is no longer the same person, and she's having to come to the realization that this is she's different now, and life is different, and things are going to be different, and nothing is ever going to be the same. And that is like the death of the innocence of childhood, where you the the, the moment you realize that life is never going to be what it was ever again and you just have to deal with it and that's kind of well, that's that's how i read that moment in juxtaposition of her father's I head being it. cut off it's <laughs> literature symbols all over the place <laughs> kayla stevenson says that about that noise it is a noise that haunts her dreams which Ooh. is i think very effective yes and it probably does um let's talk about the politics of this all for a minute mm -hmm. because i mean this wasn't supposed to be an execution mm -mm. we all realize that like this is supposed to be Ned's deal. Yep. He confesses, which he did. He says straight up, I conspired to murder the king, which is completely false. We know that mm -hmm. when he wasn't cold in the ground, I recognize Joffrey's the true king. He knows that's not true. He's doing it because Varys gave him those terms where you do this, she'll probably let you go to the wall and your daughter will be okay. Mm -hmm. um, things go wrong. <laughs> yeah. So this is the moment where Joffrey kind of steps up and uh, he kind of becomes the the big bad of the next couple of books where he has a script. He knows he's supposed to pardon Ned, mm -hmm. but he doesn't. He, uh, did I write anything down? I don't know. Um, he instead has him executed. Sir Ilan, bring me his head. The crowd roared, and Arya felt the statue of Baylor rock as they surged against it. What happens here? What goes wrong? Why does Joffrey go off script? Well, uh, I was wondering adjacent to this because mm -hmm. Cersei acts all surprised that this is happening. Everybody acts all surprised. Like there's a whole paragraph of like Varys is shuffling around yeah. being frantic even and I think the way I put it's like even the queen was whispering something in his, in his mm -hmm. ear. Like, I even don't, she's surprised. I don't know if I believe Cersei didn't know what was going on. I think it mm -hmm. was more posturing where it's like she has to act shocked where it's like oh no this is terrible but meanwhile she's like this is exactly the plan that I want played out. And I think it was brilliant because it's coming here at the end of this book. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I guess, the context of it being published for the first time in whatever it was, 97. But that, yeah. I mean, was there the idea that this was going to be like a Lord of the Rings type series where there was going to be more than one book? Because that's a hell of a way to end a book. It really is. Also, isn't it great that like, if, if you were there for the first time, you got to this point, you'd be like, what, <laughs> yeah. what happens in the next exactly. 75 pages? And then I want the next book right after that. Right. And that's like, you know, the, the show has really kind of capitalized on that in, you know, the cliffhanger from week to week right. thing. But that's like six, seven days that we're like, oh no, what's going to happen in the next episode? Yeah. And as we've known, we've come to find out, George R. R. Martin isn't necessarily quick in writing these books. So no. like, who knew at this time Although that he used to be a lot quicker? He did, but fair. like now, if you were to say this comes out today, and we know George mm -hmm. R. R. Martin is the plotting writer that he is, he's been known to be. There's no guarantee that we're going to get more story. And we especially don't know when. It's not like a movie. You know, Star Wars ends and it's like, okay, in two years we know we're going to get another Star Wars movie. Or we know in three weeks we're going to get another Marvel movie because they come out all the time. But this, it's a book. Like, I have no idea what the, the, the uh, timeline the scheduling like, is. Yeah, yeah the, you got to get the manuscript and I mean, edit. He has a deadline, but pff, he doesn't yeah. care about that. He does not care about that. deadlines. So I just thought that was a really, really brilliant thing to put at the end of the book because it all, everything goes sideways right. in the last like 150 That's pages. what you got to do, man. You got to, like, at, wow. at, toward the end of your story, you got to flip it on its head in a way that actually works. People are hooked for life, mm -hmm. which is basically what happened. 
Um, Lisa thinks Joffy was just being a... I can't say that word. Uh, see you next Tuesday. Ah. Which I think is right. And I disagree yeah. with me that Cersei knew about this. Mm. I think Cersei... She, she planned this out. She, she knows, which is what happens, that if they do kill Ned, they're going to have hell to pay. Mm-hmm. If The whole point of the Ned thing is to get him to defuse the Rob situation. Mm. That if he confesses and gets sent home, Rob has no reason to come get him. Yeah. And she knows that if that doesn't happen, he's going to come. And he does. And they end up fighting Rob and beating him anyway. But it, they have a big problem for a while. Yeah. To me, this is an act of Joffrey Baratheon. This is Joffrey Baratheon, drunk on power. I, I, it feels like he just likes the crowd. He's not thinking far ahead at all. Mm. He's thinking they want him to be executed, this crowd. I'm going to give it to him. He's not thinking this means that we're going to be embroiled in a war. We, we might not win. Now, they do win, but he, he doesn't know that at the time. So I think even Cersei too little credit, but you can give her as much credit you want. Um, what else? I like the way he describes all the clothes. Because again, this is important. This is theater. This is, yep. this is political theater. Yeah. They're out here trying to make a big to-do of Ned Stark's confession. So everybody sees it. Everybody knows this is the way history happened. Mm-hmm. And then they get a lot more than they bargained for when Joffrey decides to flip the script and do his own history. It also underlines, again, how a minor character, like Joffrey isn't that big of a deal, has a huge effect on the story. Mm. That history is chaotic and events just kind of, sometimes they just go sideways for reasons you don't expect. Mm-hmm. And the most carefully laid plans don't really mean much when you get to the moment of truth and just something you don't see happening happens. Which is something that he does a lot, and he, I think this is like the most effective example of it. Yeah. Like this didn't happen according to plan, but it means everything. It means everything for Arya. It means everything for the for the next two books, basically, is fallout from this. Whew, what a chapter. <laughs> it was a lot. It was. And your thoughts, Josh, on Arya 5? Maybe maybe the most important chapter of A Song of Ice and Fire? Uh, I would maybe. say so. It was... Well, you ain't read the rest. Well, I mean, it's going to be hard to top. <laughs> like, <laughs> it that was... It happened. It's finally happened. Ned's done. This is... Really, I mean, the story's been happening, but I feel like this is the story it starts. It really kind of is. This is here. like the curtain. <laughs> this whole thing was a prelude. Mm. Now the curtain rises yeah. on the song. Just the real Fire. twist. So there you go. What a twist. There you go. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for watching. What else I get to say? Uh, Faraz says he changed all the story in Deep. He totally did. Yep. And Lisa enjoys my See You Next Tuesday comment. And also, I think it was a show. massive show so just much. for Joffrey to get people to take him seriously. I totally agree, Lisa. Mm-hmm. This was Joffrey's coming out party for himself. And he didn't think about how it would affect anybody else. But I guess it's a great story, so go ahead, Joffrey. <laughs> cut off heads. Um, next, we're going to do Brand 7. All right. See how the fallout begins. And we will not be here next week. We're going on a uh, class outing, a company outing, so to say. So I will, uh, we're going to not be here next week, but the week after that we'll be back. With more Game of Thrones, more Song of Ice and Fire news, more Song of Dan and Josh. You can find us on iTunes or Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to hear us in audio form. Um, if you're interested in the Wit Club, to get even more of us talking and other things besides that, you're uh, free to go check out winnerscoming.net or our Patreon page. And we hope to see you in two weeks. More all of this. And congrats to, any, if, to, to whoever ends up winning the uh, mask and helmet. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful day. I want you out.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.